Welcome to podcast number 46. Yep, here we go with another one. And uh, once again, I do appreciate everybody taking the time to uh, to listen to these. Um, lots of great messages, lots of great notes, lots of great um, suggestions for, for for future podcasts. And the list just keeps growing, um, which is uh, which is a good thing for everybody. This podcast comes off of uh, the request list. I've had different variations of people asking about this type of a podcast. Um, this podcast is going to run a little bit longer because, uh, as usual, I have a lot to say, and there is a lot to it. And so I want to make uh, make my points uh, pretty clear. And again, once again, there is there's no music. Yep, no nothing. There is a sponsor for this podcast, which I'll talk about at the at the right time. This podcast is about the value of training versus the value of uh, equipment upgrades. And uh, yes, it is sponsored by the Cox Racing Group. I'll get into that in just a little bit. And this this subject can go on for forever and ever. So I'm gonna I'll try to keep it. Um, fairly pointed, and what it boils down to is there's there's a few different aspects of of what this boils down to. So we've got um, equipment upgrades. Well, what is an equipment upgrade, and how does that relate to the value of training? And of course, what kind of training? So we're going to get into all of that. So yep, here we go. Equipment upgrades. First of all, let's let's take a look at a stock motorcycle. Um, and see what it's capable of and and how all that works and how do we know we get at the limits? When's it time to to do something about that? The way that I see that is my general rule of thumb, and this is just my own little internal report card, and then we'll break this down, is my go-to bike, my typical bike is my Yamaha FC1. I ride my FC1. It's nothing fancy. It has, let's see, has a pipe, has a out-of-the-box Olin shock, has a quick shifter, rear sets, and that's about it. I ride that bike on Dunlop Q3s, now the Q3 Pluses. And that bike, my thought is, I should be able to get within 10 seconds of the overall track record at any track on that bike. That's my internal report card. And some tracks, it's a little bit more. I don't think there's any tracks where it's been less than that, but that's my thought. I should be able to take that bike, and I've done it on many, many tracks, I should be able to take that bike and ride it, me as the capable rider, and be able to ride it essentially within 10 seconds of the overall track record. And when I look at even some of that, and of course that's not a that's not a uh, you know a typical track bike, even though it's it's an amazing track bike and I love it. Same thing with the FC10, right? That's the the times I've been riding my FC10 or the FC10, uh, we're getting in the same thing with that one, and. Even when we get on some of these thousand cc bikes, like we've done the road racing world tests, typically when we go to tracks, those bikes are bone stock, and we just put slicks on them. And sometimes we're not really able to do much from the way in uh, setup, right? We're going to do what the manufacturer suggests. We have very, very few time, um, not very much time to, you know, get used to that bike. But typically, we're we're within five seconds of the overall track record on those bikes. It's very typical. So stock bikes, incredibly capable, very capable. And so it's a question of, okay, well, when do I know I need to do something about that? And, and how does that all work with rider training? So first thing is when we look at a stock bike and we know how capable they are, we need to, we need to get the bike within an envelope, right? We, we, we ride the bikes. Um, you're going to put, typically you can put good tires on them, whether it's a, like a Dunlop Q3 or a slick or whatever. Well, when you start looking at the suspension adjustments and you start optimizing the suspension for whatever the characteristic it has, 
or characteristic of your riding or characteristic of the track. When you start to max out some of those adjusters, and then once you've maxed it out and it's still holding you back, then you can start to look for some sort of an upgrade. And it, it's not it's not that I it's not that I'm I'm not advocating upgrades. I'm the biggest gearhead around. I love working on my bike. I'll spend the whole day in the garage and I love upgrading it. But I also don't like spending money where I don't have to. So let's just take an example of you're you're riding a bike and you start adjusting the fork and you want the fork to whatever have more compression damping or more rebound damping. When you start getting to the point of where the that particular adjuster is completely closed off or close to being closed off and that characteristic of why you want it is still there, ah, oh, okay, now we've got something, right? In other words, you're having to adjust your riding for whatever that characteristic is or it's, it's holding you back from something. Same thing with typically like a spring or spring preload. I need to be a little bit careful like an adjusting suspension where, and this is a whole other podcast we could do, but we need to be a little bit careful on some of the suspension things, right? It's, it's easy to get caught into some of the sag numbers and I'm not, uh, you know, I am advocating about putting the, you know, the bike in a good working area, but we don't want to get to the point of where we're overtaxing the stock components for being in the envelope as well, right? If you're putting too much, the spring is too light and you're just jacking a bunch of weight preload in it um, just to get a, a specific sag number, well, then that's going to cause a whole bunch of other characteristics as well. So when the stock components are running out of the envelope, when they're running out of adjustment, and that is holding you back from some of your riding, great. Then we can start looking at some upgrades. But I am here to tell you, you can go really fast on stock stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, with proper riding, proper trajectory, proper brake pressure, proper body position. I just got done riding literally bone stock uh, BMW S1000R up at the ridge on Q3s, got within... First time that I got to ride it, um, a little bit hard. I didn't even, I didn't adjust anything, nothing. Got on the bike, Q3 pluses, rode it. Um, whatever the settings were on the the electronics, I just, I didn't touch them because I didn't know um, all those nice little fancy buttons. Rode the bike and was about 11 seconds off the overall track record uh, just by riding it around. And same thing, I'm, that bike is certainly capable of a lot more in the Q3s. So that's, that's it, right? With good technique allows a consistent pattern. With that consistent pattern, then you know what's right and what's wrong. So um, thinking about that, that's when I'm going to look at, uh, look at performance, uh, performance upgrades. So there's another kind of upgrade, and this is a little bit of where our sponsor comes into play. There's another kind of upgrade, which is essentially insurance, damage control. And that's something that I am a big advocate for because I don't want my track day ruined. Um, I want the longevity of my bike to to be increased, and I I want to maximize everything I can for it. I don't want to be paying for stuff that it, that um, uh, that I don't have to be. So having having some upgrades that allow for essentially damage control, again, I'm a big fan for whether that's you know frame sliders, um, axle sliders, um, case covers, things like that. Even a brake master cylinder, right? If the bike's brake master cylinder is holding you back because it's too soft, yeah, I'm going to upgrade the brake master cylinder, sure. Um, and while that's that's not necessarily like a suspension upgrade, that's more of a damage control. That's a safety upgrade is how I look at that. And the this is where our sponsor comes into play. So the sponsor of this podcast is the Cox Racing Group. And Cox Race, um, the radiator guards, I'm a big fan of those. 
And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of what they're doing for a bunch of reasons. One, they're good for the sport. Stuff is made right here in the United States. And when I, when I sat down with, uh, with Andrew and Suzanne, I loved the base um, part of why they're in the sport. And Andrew goes, well, yeah, I started, you know, the radiator guards so I could afford to buy tires to race. I'm like, okay, now we're talking, right? Now we've got somebody that understands this, uh, this sport. And uh, I've used the Cox radiator guards for years. And um, when I finally got to meet, um, to meet Andrew and Suzanne, it was, uh, uh, it was pretty cool. And I got to learn um, quite a bit about how their stuff is made, how it's tested, the, the materials that they use, how it works for airflow, how it works for um, the, the damage protection. You know, and again, they, they, they design these things for ease of installation, airflow. They do adventure bikes. Anyway, part of it is they're trying to be good for our sport. It's a constant evolution of designing their product. He was telling me about some of the, uh, how they design and redesign products to keep the rubber buildup happening. And uh, I love an idea. And the whole idea is, is you buy one of these radiator guards or let's say you knock your bike over in the pits or whatever and you put a hole in your case cover. Well, what's the cost of your whole freaking day? Now it's ruined by not having something like that. So having something like this that essentially protects your investment, I am an absolute fan of. And um, having, um, having the Cox Racing Group uh, with me on this podcast has been, uh, has been fantastic. So thank you guys. So... That's the second type of, of bike upgrades. Damage control, right? And it's, it's more of an insurance product than it is anything else. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of being able to keep my track day going uh, and being able to protect uh, my overall investment with the bike and things like I said, with say, whether it's a brake, brake master cylinder, um, things along those lines. I guess I look at it this way. Anything that prolongs me being able to ride my motorcycle and enjoy it and work on my technique, I'm a fan of. So that's how I look at that. So check out those guys and there's a, there's, we'll put a link and all that with the, um, within the podcast uh, as well. So now we look at the, the rider training aspect. And when, when we're doing this sport, I don't think, I don't think the training ever, ever stops. And uh, even even you think about this, right? You would think whoever's going to win the world uh, championship, MotoGP championship this year, you know, you think, oh, well, they're the best in the world. They don't need to, you know, they're good. Well, if anything, there's a bigger target on their back for next year and they have to continue to work hard. I know when I, uh, when I was working with, uh, or work, still working with, obviously, with uh, J.D. Beach, and J.D. Beach won his championship. And when, we, when he went to defend his championship, He's like, yeah, now the real work starts. So being able to, you know, resting on those laurels, they, they never are resting on those laurels. And, um, you know, hearing about how, how, these, how these guys work and how they train and being part of that uh, and helping them develop um, basically a never-ending pathway for that. And we look at the same thing as we, as um, our fighter pilots that we know, uh, we look at it the same way as those special forces guys. And again, let's think about the risk that we have in our sport and how we have to continually keep training for that. So the other part of when we look at the value of, of training is, and, I, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pick a crazy example. Let's say I'm on a track and I'm doing a two-minute lap time. I'll just make it up. And my bike is bone stock. Okay, now I put a pipe on my bike. How much difference in that two-minute lap time am I going to get from that pipe, and I'm not knocking pipe manufacturers because, again, I like my stuff too. 
but let's let's look at it. How much difference am I going to get from a pipe upgrade in my lap time versus being able to use the brakes correctly versus being able to use my reference points correctly versus being able to understand what the slowest point of the corner is versus being consistent with our lap times. Plus, your pipe is a great example of a modification that it stays with the bike. You can take your riding technique anywhere, but the pipe, pipe stays with the bike. So it's, it's funny, we talk about suspension things and, and I love something that uh, um, uh, Nick Einotch said at one point when Nick, Nick said, Nick goes, yeah, you're worried about a one or two millimeter ride height difference, but your head is two feet too high. Well, what are you gonna do? How do you think about that? Or you're worried about um, a fork setting, but yet you don't use the brakes. You don't trail brake, right? You don't understand trail braking. You don't understand how to release the brakes. You don't understand where the slowest point of the corner is. In addition with suspension, improper inputs may be causing some of the wrong suspension settings. And it may be even an investment that you don't need yet and you can fix with proper rider training. When we look at these, these examples of rider training, rider training's I look at rider training as really investing in yourself, right? That's an upgrade for yourself when it comes to this. And again, there's so many things that can be done off the bike that cost nothing, nothing free. I know everybody likes that free thing that don't cost anything to allow us to get better in the sport. And you can go back and listen to all these podcasts because I've given you, you know, many, many, many nuggets that are in there as well. Uh, there's a lot of other low cost ways, whether it's my online training program whether it's getting one-on-one coaching, whether it's doing the Rick days, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's, there's a way to, to, to get better. Yeah, and now, now that I'm thinking about it, look at that pipe. So a good tie pipe, let's just say, I don't know, were they 1,500 bucks, 2,000 bucks? Well, that's the price of quite a bit of training, whether it's one Rick day, whether it's some one-on-one -on -one training, whether it's a bunch of online training. I, I can make, I, I will, whatever, you, whatever that difference is in that pipe from a lap time, I literally can guarantee I would make you 10 times faster than that with the same investment. So yes, I'm for, I am for those upgrades, but rider training will trump that every single time. You can actually save yourself a lot of heartache and, uh, uh, and, and you know, again, pain and suffering and, and getting to be, get better at the, at the sport with training. So I don't want to beat that up too much. I think everybody gets the point that, when we look at performance upgrades, there's a couple of different kinds of performance upgrades. There's the performance upgrades of your bike, but when do those performance upgrades, when are they truly needed? Stock bikes nowadays are so amazing, so amazing. There's a lot of things that you can do with them. But I use that reference, as I said earlier, about how I how I quick I can go without having to make big fundamental changes or, or basically needing equipment upgrades to get a better lap time that doesn't affect my riding, right? So I want to make sure that I can ride the motorcycle as much as, you know, as well as I can and have a bike that's capable of doing that. And then again, we have performance upgrades that are essentially some like an insurance. They're, they're a damage, damage control. And um, the stuff like the Cox Racing Group does, as well as a bunch of other little products um, will allow that. And then you think of it more of a safety investment uh, rather than than a performance investment, so big big fan of that. And then again, looking at the rider training, the rider training, you can make. You're the biggest variable on the motorcycle, you. So if if you're if you're trying 
to get a better lap time, right? If you're trying to get more consistent, work on yourself first. Work on yourself first, please. And not only is it in some ways a heck of a lot cheaper, but it will make your life a lot easier as well. You'll be able to ride faster, be able to ride safer. Yes, I love working on my bike. I love doing all those things. I love, you know, I, I love spending the, you know, the days out in the garage and, and doing all that stuff. I love that. Yes, I do. But I'm also going to, I also want to realize where, where the big investment is and where the big investment in improving my overall riding experience and being able to stay in this sport. So there you go with this podcast. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Copyright 2017, Ken Hill Coaching, All Rights Reserved.